Welcome to Still Scared Talking Children's Horror, a podcast about creepy, spooky and disturbing children's books, films and TV. I'm Ren Wednesday, my co-host is Adam Wybray, and today we're doing a looser, more off-the-cuff episode about the early Tim Burton short Hansel and Gretel and the Henry Selleck short Slow Bob in the Lower Dimensions. A full transcript of this episode will be available in the show notes. Enjoy! Hello. Um, so uh, we had a bit of a mix-up. No, about... don't tell them. Don't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're completely prepared and know what we're doing. Um, Absolutely, as ever. Yeah, and um, <laughs> uh, and what we're doing is talking about some some short animations. Yeah, some early early Tim Burton and early Henry Selick. Um, so. We we haven't talked about Burton since back in 2018, um, back mm. when he ha- when we had a, a regular kind of recording schedule and before <laughs> everything everything became te- well I don't know things were already terrible uh, before, but but you know before things became kind of chaotically and overwhelmingly terrible all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so back in the easy the salad days. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we already talked about Beetlejuice, um, which is fifteen rated. I've forgotten that. I, I recently showed it to to George and Matilda, and um, yeah, I don't know if that's there are a few swears, and also I guess it's it's a little bit scary. There's some scary yeah, puppets. Yeah, Beetlejuice himself spends a lot of time harassing and generally behaving inappropriately. So that's, that's probably good that it's fifteen rated, really. Um, yeah, and and as you say, yeah, there are scary bits. There's there's a fair amount of kind of not gore per se, just sort of mangliness. Yeah, mangly yeah. Bodies. <laughs> yeah, it's um, a bit gnarly. Yeah, I mean George mostly found it funny though, so he, he seemed to cope all right with it. Um, <laughs> very amused by by how the two uh, our two friendly protagonists who become the friendly ghosts get offed by a dog. Um, if you remember, they, they are in in their car, sort of balanced on the edge of a, a plank of wood, um, like a seesaw, and then yes. the dog kind of steps off the end and looks very pleased <laughs> about it. And yeah, George was very keen on that. I think. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, he he enjoyed the dog's moxie. I think. Mm. And I think uh, when we was it was it then or was it a different episode when we talked about a few of uh, the shorts, the Burton shorts as well? Yes, so that's partly why I mentioned it is that we did actually we talked about uh, Vincent and a bit about Frankenweenie as well. Yes, because it had Shelley Duvall in it, didn't it? Ah, oh, that's why because you love Shelley Duvall. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um. So yeah, so Vincent was sort of his first. I mean, obviously, he'd made some amateur stuff when he was a kid, so student, you know, like like your Peter Jacksons. Um, <laughs> but but Vincent was his sort of first kind of standalone short film, uh, which was made um, mm. made at Disney and sort of budgeted by Disney, and obviously Vincent Price narrating. Um, mm. And a, sorry, I, I watched a short a, a little YouTube about just about early Burton stuff and it was, it was saying that he he, he was hired to, to work on on a Disney film but he he was he was too creepy for it or something yeah so he worked on Fox and the Hound uh, which yeah. is my, my brother's favourite Disney film as a kid actually mm. um, which is where he met Henry Selick who was also animating mm. on it and they um, then I think also both worked on The Black Cauldron Um I'm kind of surprised, yeah, I think we watched the same video, actually. Um, and I was surprised that 
so that you know Burton did a lot of this sort of great um I guess uh, our art design stuff you know character work for the Black Cauldron and it wasn't used I was quite surprised by that because the Black Cauldron is notorious as one of the scariest Disney films is it I haven't even heard of it oh no what I think we must have just <laughs> both been either too young by a couple of years or too scaredy to watch it as kids. <laughs> Possibly both, yeah. Because I haven't seen either. Definitely one we'll have to do a future episode on. Um, mm. Not least because um, it's also one of the first Sierra adventure game film to game adaptations. So oh. Circa King's Quest, uh, Sierra also did a presumably hard as nails you die at any given opportunity oh, yeah. uh, adventure game of the Black Cauldron. Um, <laughs> so, God, maybe this is our chance to expand into Twitch streaming, because that's, <laughs> that's where it's at today, isn't it? I, I, I do keep seeing the Goosebumps game on the, um, on the Switch store and being like, maybe... <laughs> uh, is that like a completely new one, or is it like a remastered one of the old FMV game? No, I think that's a, a new Goosebumps game. Okay, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. we could do probably a whole, because there was a Goosebumps board game as well that at some point <laughs> someone bought for me as an adult. And Well, we'd have to do that with Ava if we're doing a board game. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. That well, I'm sure, perspective. I'm, I'm sure we, Ava would. I think, I think, you know, I'm always happy to have Ava back on. <laughs> you know, if, if, if listeners, you haven't listened to the Deptford Mice uh, episode um, where where Ava joined us, they're they're well worth listening to. Yeah, yeah. Well, she was on. She was on. Joined us for our Deptford Mice epic and um, and the witches, I think, and also um, what was that? What's that Halloween show? Halloween cartoon over the garden wall. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah. So we so we've had a so we've had a batch of Ava, and uh, since then she's been doing podcasts with uh, Shut Up and Sit Down. So. Um, so oh, that's great! Well, well, well into the podcast. Oh, we wow! Now. But we gave her a start, though. You see. <laughs> um, anyway, what we're we talking about? Um, so yeah, so Vin- Vincent, um, which so we have already covered. So if you want to hear our thoughts on Vincent, if you go back to February twenty eighteen um, when we talked about Beetlejuice, so it's one of our earliest episodes, actually, um, when mm. we discuss Vincent. And Frankenweenie. And these are a lot more seen than the kind of two animations we're going to talk about today. One of which was almost considered lost, um, which is mm. Burton's uh, adaptation of Hansel and Gretel. It's a 1983 TV special uh, for the Disney Channel, only broadcast once. Um, and I first saw this at a Tim Burton retrospective, like an exhibition in Prague. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, which was amazing. Um, five, six years back. Um, and I think it was the same exhibition that played at uh, the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. Or it had a lot of the same kind of objects. So it had, you know, Oogie Boogie was there. Like lots oh, of the, yeah, loads of the models from Nightmare Before Christmas and Corpse Bride. Um, lots of uh, lots of his drawings. Um, so that was all really exciting. But one of the things that really caught my attention was this uh, a, a, a screen playing um, this Hansel and Gretel on loop, which I'd never heard of before. And I sat and watched the whole thing, and I just found it... I was really captivated by it. Um, yeah. You know, it was so so strange and so so obviously Burton in terms of like the art direction and mm. the kind of objects and what the set looked like. Um but also quite different as well, like a lot more stagey, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite yeah. low budget, um, and yeah, I'd, I'd never even heard of it. And I think since then, some enterprising soul has uploaded it to YouTube, and it's very much, which is presumably the version you've watched, yeah, then, and very much ripped from video. So <laughs> yes, s- yeah. s- s- someone thankfully, you know, recorded it when it showed on on television on cable. Um, so uh, yeah, now it has. So you're one of not many people who've seen a, a high definition version of this. Or yeah, well, high definition I, as it as goes. You say high, high definition. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's, it was made for TV, um, mm. and it it looks like a made for TV film. Um, yeah. But yeah, I suppose I have seen this in in yeah slightly better better quality. Um, 
So, yeah, it, it was introduced uh, on this sort of Halloween special, Halloween 1983, by Vincent Price. So, obviously, Vincent Price also narrated Vincent, uh, mm-hmm. inspires, obviously, the main <laughs> character in Vincent, um, and remained friends with Burton until his death. Uh, obviously, his last sort of um, big performance is in Edward Scissorhands as Edward's, Edward's sort of father and inventor. Um uh-huh. It's been a long time since I've seen Edward Scissorhands. Uh, well, definitely one we'll do at some point, I'm sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> it holds up well, actually. I think as as early Burton goes, mm. Edward Scissorhands possibly holds up the best. Um, it's, yeah, one I've rewatched quite a few times. Mm. Um, so, yeah, this was filmed on just a budget of $116,000. Uh, was filmed on 16mm um, rather than on video. Um mm. And yeah, it's mostly live action, like a very small amount of stop motion, but more just puppetry than stop motion, to be yeah. honest. Um, like there, there's a great hand puppet um, <laughs> sequence. Um, and yeah, it's in some regards a pretty straightforward adaptation of Hansel and Gretel. Um, I say that not in terms of how it looks, which is wild, but in terms <laughs> of the story, you know, this is your... Um, brother and sister with a cruel stepmother who wants to get rid of them. Uh, they get lost in the woods, but are able to find their way back by leading a, leaving a trail of stones or breadcrumbs. Um, yeah. But then uh, they, 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 they get lost in the woods again. And then bread, I, I, you know, I, in, in this version, the stepmother uh, dispatches a kind of robotic duck to eat the stones, but uh, I, don't, I don't think the robotic duck is in the original fairy tale. But, <laughs> you know, um, and and so they get lost. They find their way to this uh, gingerbread house. Uh, when I say gingerbread house, mm, um, yes. So, what uh, do you think the house is made of? Um, okay, um, like malwams, um, like s- stretchy, stretchy, sweetie. Like maybe those um those those horrible um chewing gums you used to get in the nineties that had like um had like a liquid centre because <laughs> something gooey and tacky and on the outside and then gushing on the inside. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of it's kind of like the the awful equivalent for sweets. Yes, you know, like yes. with meat, you have like. Like awful, like you know, all the gristle and organ meats and bits and bobs. It's kind of like that, but for sweets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, only something only a child would want to eat. Um, oh yeah, and... yeah. Like it looks absolutely abject and repellent. It's horrible. In fact, <laughs> in fact let's let's get in early with texture of the week. You know? that's, yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. I've got, I've got I've got Antonia's electric guitar here, which I'm sure is not tuned. But uh, let's let's. Try an E minor here. Yeah. Okay. Texture. 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 The week. The week. Um. Yeah. Um. I haven't prepared anything because I haven't prepared anything. So um, <laughs> I'm 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 going to go with the the gushing sweetie house where the uh, when Hansel and Gretel turn up and just um stick their fingers into it and it starts leaking gunge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, the the perennial sort of eighties and nineties TV favourite, gunge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Chem- chemical gloop used to punish parents and teachers alike. Um, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, I have considered doing like a really pretentious academic article about this. TV about special. Well, well, about no. mostly about guns, yeah. Um, <laughs> doing a sort of, you know, Kleinian psychoanalytic reading about this being like the, the mother's body and fear of damaging the mother's body or something. But I don't know, like, basically, it's just really wrong. And it's hard to put your finger on quite why it's so wrong. But this sort of weird, semi-permeable membrane of a sweetie gingerbread house. <laughs> It's not okay. (laughs) It's not okay. The colours are really lurid um, as well. It it reminds me... The thing it closest reminds me of is when um, when I was at university and uh, studying Faust and we watched this kind of horrible um, 
like filmed theater adaptation of Faust where it was a German one and where everyone was sort of it, it made quite an impression yeah yeah it's everyone was wearing this sort of horrible like clashing clothes and like melted makeup and just looked like absolutely demented and um it was a really uncomfortable experience and that, yeah. that's what this reminded me of <laughs> <laughs> high recommendation indeed <laughs> mm. yeah i think and it, it's hard to know what leaks if what what leaks from the house is like paint or something like a bit work because the kids do seem to be actually putting things in their mouth and stuff so i hope all yeah. of this was actually <laughs> you know non-poisonous <laughs> non-toxic yeah. yeah it certainly yeah. doesn't look non-poisonous and non-toxic <laughs> no. it looks like if you had a cartoon and you had to have a river of chemical poisonous sludge what it yeah. would look like basically like if this was an episode of captain planet you know this would be the stuff you really aren't meant to put near your mouth <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and I, I don't know, I mean, we're, I think, becoming aware that pe ch child actors were not always treated with the utmost uh, care in the, in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I, um, I hope they weren't poisoned by this uh, miscellaneous gunge. Um, yeah, so, so it's worth saying, so we've got a fairly small cast here, so you've got um, Andy Lee as Hansel and Alison Hong as Gretel. Um, and then uh, Jim Shida as the father and Michael Yama as the stepmother and Wicked Witch. So the stepmother and Wicked Witch is kind of a dual role here. So yeah. I guess these kind of characters often mirror each other in fairy tales and makes sense of this set played by the same the same character, same guy here in drag. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think this was to give it a kind of pantomime? But, I mean, I guess pantomime is more of a British phenomenon than a, an American I mean, one. It is, yeah, but it does give a pantomime vibe. Um. <laughs> you will not. So, you take their side against mine. Am I their mother or aren't I? Who besides me will bother to teach them their table manners? Will you have animals for children? Um, I don't know if um, I don't know if it's uh, for, because it's, he was obviously going through. Verton was inspired by Japanese culture at this point. Um, uh, yes, so it's a completely East Asian cast, yeah, or East, uh, East Asian American cast. Yeah, so I don't know if he was inspired by Japanese forms of like kabuki or yeah kabuki uh, theatre thing i mean yeah, yeah. The, the witch costume is quite kabuki like yeah like with this a white face makeup mm. um yeah. so yeah, yeah that did occur to, I, yeah so maybe this is just the kind of point where like kabuki and pantomime mm. kind of <laughs> aesthetically cross over yeah um because i believe that they also have men playing all the roles in uh, okay, traditional I, Japanese theatre. Uh, I, 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 that makes sense then. I think that's that's probably a really... I think that's a good educated guess there. <laughs> yeah, I hope that's right. But um, I think that's I think that could be what's going on. Um, uh, yeah, and the, the kind of... I don't know, what do, you, what do you make of the sort of Japanese influence on this? Uh, I mean, it feels... <laughs> Very much. I mean, Burton's, you know, I guess he's one one of the first kind of, you know, massively successful geek directors, right? Yeah. In the way that that's also true, I guess, of Peter Jackson or Edgar Wright um, mm. or, or God, maybe, maybe, you know, Zack Snyder as well. And that means that he's very... Very willing to indulge his own idiosyncratic interests, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't know if there's much more to it than Burton <laughs> was really into Japanese culture and was like, hey, yeah, I can have kung fu in this and like a uh -huh. robot, like mecha anime. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think it. 
you know, I don't, I don't think it damages it, you know, apart from the fact that watching it, you notice it, obviously, and you're like, huh, there's a lot of references to Japanese culture going on here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I quite like the fact, I guess, that it ends up with Hansel and Gretel having a kung fu fight. <laughs> with the witch, and that the the witch is using cookie cutters as some kind of intimidating weapon, so it's like nunchucks or something. Yeah, well, they're um, yeah, they're sort of throwing stars, aren't they? Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are those actually called? Uh, uh, um, uh, shuriken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah they're, they're cookie shuriken. Yeah. Yeah, which, which is quite cool. Yeah, yeah. So there are some neat little <laughs> ideas. I mean, mostly, to be honest, I mean, did you find it a little bit slow? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Definitely the first um, the first half is uh, it's pretty slow to get going. Yeah, like it probably didn't need to be half an hour long, realistically, because yeah. I guess there's not really much of a plot and... <laughs> the viewer is likely going to know the plot already. Um, so so really, what if you're going to watch this, what you're in it for is the set design. Yes. Yeah. Like, um, so what, what, what did you make of the set design and just the general look of it? I mean, I think it's, uh, it's kind of remarkably consistent, right? That this is like early Burton and it's like, you look at it and you're like, Burton. It's just... Yeah. Um, and that's carried on like for his whole career you know the same like that this is like yeah he had a strong aesthetic from the beginning and it's really obvious like yeah yeah that it has those kind of that com- combination of kind of stayed camera angles and then really kind of crooked shapes um mm-hmm. these are german expressionist angles and um kind of combination of blacks and pastel colors i suppose it was swirly spirals and jagged, jaggedy things and spirals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, jaggedy yeah. things and spirals. Yeah. Um, sort of candy cane motifs. Yeah. Twisty trees. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it must have been... I mean, it, you can't really look at it now and imagine how it looked <laughs> in 1983 because it's, it's so familiar with... Burton's aesthetic, but I imagine it was pretty interesting back then. Like, yeah, yeah, it must have been really, really striking. Um, mm. Because yeah, if you'd not seen anything like this before, um, yeah, and it, it sort of it looks a little bit like filmed theatre. Um, mm. You know, we've got these sort of very emptied out, um, like it look it looks very kind of theatrical and a bit flat, but mm-hmm. in a, in a deliberate way. Like, I don't think. You know, that, that's fine. We've got a fairy tale here. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't need to be like this holy kind of lived in world. Mm. Um, and, you know, there are some some of the kind of objects to art um, that you get here crop up again. So the, the one I, I noticed was that there's this beaky little duck, um, mm-hmm. like a kind of robot duck, which is just sent out by the stepmother to eat up. Hansel and Gretel's trail of stones or breadcrumbs, mm. um, and that crops up again in Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, um, as one, one, one of the uh, badly fil- thought through presents that Jack Skellington <laughs> uh, delivers as, San- as Sandy Claus. <laughs> yeah, so so the father in this version is a toy maker. I think it seems mm. most mostly so they can get the <laughs> get these uh, little creatures in. Um, the uh, the film doesn't the film sort of starts with a kind of uh, seeing all the the little toys and 
little yeah little mo- mo- movie things and, and their little legs around and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like a little show, a little showcase. Yeah, um, which is great. You know, they they mm. look wonderful. Mm. Um, there's a really nice uh, wall clock, which is kind of Burton's variant on those uh, cat wall clocks with the moving eyes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that the the most memorable part of uh, of this uh, short, for sure, is the uh, is the clown puppet. Yes, so probably the best object in the film. Yeah, this sort of clown like puppet. Um, then that kind of gets reprised almost as this gingerbread man, right? So they are different, mm. but they look kind of similar. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um... Yeah, when uh, when the witch uh, gets a hold of Hansel and Gretel and kind of and separates them, and Hansel gets sort of sucked sucked into the bed and down into a kind of cellar, um, <laughs> where uh, yeah, he's visited by a, a gingerbread clown um, <laughs> who uh, who demands to be eaten um, uh, through through the medium of Rod Stewart. Oh yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> so, so instead of "Do you think I'm sexy?" we have "Do you think I'm?" If you think I'm tasty, come on, eat my body or something like that. <laughs> if you think I'm tasty and you want my body, come on, Hansel, take a bite. I'm not eating anymore. You're disgusting. I said, take another bite. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll have to. Uh, I, I definitely took a few screenshots of this clown because it looks I, I t- absolutely. Um, I th- uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a real spectacle to behold. This, it is. Uh, it, it's a horror. Like, it's a real horror. <laughs> yeah, the clown's definitely the thing that was giving children who watched the Disney Channel nightmares back in nineteen eighty-three. Absolutely, and then like you know, and then this this film disappeared from existence. So they just got they just like, thought that they dreamt it. They like, actually. Oh God, yeah, it's a bit like me watching this morning with Rich, not Judy. <laughs> Anyone who isn't British, and probably even if you are, won't have heard of the ridiculous <laughs> comedy program that was broadcast. At all times, at twelve in the like noon, midday on Sundays, <laughs> when we were kids, um, with Stuart Lee and Richard Herring, and it's a like a weird spoof of a kind of morning chat show, I guess. Um, but yeah, it had this hellish, <laughs> hellish character called the Curious Orange. Um, so just a, a disembodied orange head that asks curious questions and. Uh, gets progressively mouldier and mouldier over the course of the yeah. series until it starts kind of screaming and <laughs> yeah, I was I was convinced I had dreamt that for a good mm. decade, like until I met other people who'd seen it at uni, like <laughs> throughout my teens, like I was like, nah, that couldn't have existed, no way. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty similar. Like you could. You imagine like rationalizing to yourself like there couldn't really have been a, <laughs> a gingerbread clown that that sang Rod Stewart to a kid. Yeah, and had like razor the, sharp, crooked teeth. And... Yeah, on the Disney Channel, that's impossible. <laughs> um... But uh, it, it was acceptable in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, um, as that song was uh, talking about. Yeah, yeah, okay. specifically about the Hansel and Gretel eighty-three TV. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I mean, it all has a happy ending. Um, so well, not a happy ending for the witch, who obviously ends mm. up being cooked in her own oven. Um, I did appreciate that her oven has a child, you know, roast child setting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's she's handy, like, isn't it? She's like, ah, I set it to a five-story cake. I should have set it to roast child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I thought was quite a good gag. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, the they're, they're, they're reunited with their father and then this sort of toy swan which becomes a boat, inexplicably spews out gold coins. Yeah, yeah, it does, doesn't it? 
I don't quite know. Is that just a metaphor for this being like the father's like most successful toy yet? Like it's a real mm. money maker, or yeah, because it, who, kn- it, who knows? Yeah, if the father had the power to make toys that generate money, <laughs> probably should have done that earlier. Yeah, to be <laughs> honest, would have saved a lot of bother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, it's a definite curio, isn't it? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Like if you if you enjoy early Burton, like if you're someone who, you know, grew up watching Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands or Pee Wee's Big Adventure, then I definitely think this is worth worth looking up on YouTube. Um, just as you said, because it kind of cements Burton's style so early. Mm. You know, like he's in his early twenties or something doing this, and like he's basically got the signature style that he's going to have for the rest of his career. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, worth a worth a look for Burton fans. Absolutely, if you haven't seen it already. Um, yeah. So yeah, the 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 other film I wanted to talk about, which I have to say I like rather more than. I mean, I you know I think Hanson Goes is fascinating, but I I really love this. Is Slow mm. Bob in the uh, in the lower dimensions? Um, yeah. Which is a Henry Selick short from back when he was making... So he made a bunch of kind of animated eye dents for MTV. Eye dents? It, is that like a... The, well, that's why, you know, like, like those little stabs like where you see the oh, MTV yeah. logo. Um, mm-hmm. So he made a bunch of these back in the 80s, and that that's... You know, he wasn't the only animator to do this. So Jan Schrankmar, uh, the Czech animator, who does these... <laughs> creepy yeah um really? ba- ba- wow. yeah so flora and meat love which both two like little 30 30 second odd films he did were commissioned by and made for mtv oh, wow. and would have been shown between music videos <laughs> um so you know when mtv started i guess they reached out to a whole bunch of different animators to do these sort of short short little promo things and Henry Selleck did some, so, um, you know, some of just the MTV logo. But then there's one that features this kind of character of Slow Bob, and this mm. character then gets sort of expanded into a kind of standalone pilot, basically. And this was a kind of pilot for a proposed series in which this character of Slow Bob, who's this sort of curious, looks a bit like um, Henry in a razor head or something. You know, he's got this wild shock of hair. He seems to live in this apartment building like alone like in this loft flat um mm. and yeah i think the idea is he would go on journeys to to different places different dimensions and in these other dimensions he's kind of a hero basically and, and saves right. the day so you know he spends his his sort of everyday living life like i guess just sort of sleeping um on the ceiling <laughs> like a big <laughs> spider in his flat and then occasionally he's summoned to, to go into another dimension and save the day. So so I don't know if this was exactly for children. I mean, it's always easy to make that mistake of thinking, oh, it's animated, it's got to be for children. And, mm. you know, that's not necessarily the case. You know, I mentioned Jan Trankmar, the Czech animator, and he would have never really seen his films as being for children. Yeah. Um, with Selick, obviously, because he's best known for Nightmare Before Christmas and then James and the Giant Peach. And mm. Coraline, of course... <laughs> you know it's easy to to think of him as as a as a kids animator i guess mtv was more going for a kind of teenage audience yeah yeah um so is this the first time you'd seen slow bob it is yeah yeah i um so what, what did you think of it <laughs> i really enjoyed it um, hey. <laughs> it's um uh, yeah, it's absolutely bonkers. I loved it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm just like have it. I'm just sort of watching it with no sound now, just in the background. It's just like, you see slow. Um, when you first see slow Bob, yeah, he's hanging on the ceiling, being fed cola through a straw by a lizard. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Wake up, Slow Bob. Wake 
and then he kind of crawls into a pentangle of lizards. Yeah, so I don't know if the lizards are like his caretakers, maybe, because the lizards, as you say, like feeding them this cola and says, wake up, slow barb. <laughs> um, so the lizards seem to kind of a summoners, maybe, because as you say, they, yeah. they, they, they seem to cast this spell or something to, <laughs> to, to transport slow bob to the lower dimensions. But um but yeah it's it's um yeah it's fascinating, it's really delightful. Um I I I love the mixture of um of uh live action and stop motion and puppets and Yeah, and cut out animation. Yeah, and there's um yeah, when he when he goes to the lower dimensions there's uh photographs that are being menaced by scissors um <laughs> that are photographs of people that are being cut um, <laughs> um and are sort of trying to run away um and uh <laughs> so slow bob tricks the scissors by uh putting a, a photograph of himself the, the, the photographs are black and white, but um, the, the animation's colour um, over a road sign. So the scissors will fly at him and then break their um, break their blades. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a bit. It's a bit like that Looney Tunes gag with the um, you know the the hole in the mountainside. Um, there's actually just a drawing over a bunch of bricks yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like this ingenious deconstruction of animation um, the way that you can see the photos is based on and, and you know it's very kind of few frames for the photos right so you know the, 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 the photos kind of um, have a very stop start animation style so the yeah. photos don't kind of move in a really smooth way um, so like for instance there's a little baby with a, a, a teddy bear and one of the scissors kind of cruelly snips off the bear and then it kind of cuts to the, the baby you know sitting down and crying and you know I, I guess I love stuff where like the medium of animation is really to put in the foreground or like yeah. the, the, the animation itself is really emphasised so I really like the way that these kind of material these objects of the scissors are cutting up the photos and that obviously mm. affects um, how the photo people are and how they feel. Yeah, and and then at the end he, he comes back to to his sort of empty attic and there's a a twin uh, a sort of conjoined twin puppet who uh, who when watching through the keyhole and um, and they come and um, and paint him <laughs> with a, of yellow paint. And that's kind of the end. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's like the frame narrative. So if we're trying to imagine that this was a full mm. series, presumably there'd be this kind of framing narrative of Slow Bob living in his apartment mm. block uh, alongside, say, these conjoined twins. And I imagine other other neighbours and other apartment dwellers would have been introduced. Mm. Um, so there's a kind of dynamic there where the twins seem to kind of want to torment or bully Slow Bob. Um or tease him um so it starts out really from their perspective um mm. and we kind of follow we get this point of view shot of them kind of creeping down the corridor and then going up to the loft um where slow bob's sleeping and yeah th this uh, as you say it's got some lovely sort of puppet work and stop motion there mm. um it weirdly reminds me of um early CD-ROM and Mac games, actually. Oh, like, um, yeah. Yeah, there's something about the visuals that really makes me think of, like, the kind of weird games you got on Macs. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously most people know Myst, right, and those kind of old puzzle games, they can maybe picture that. But, mm. um, you know, a bunch of whole more sort of experimental games, um, such as one that the band The Residents 
did uh, called Bad Down the Midway. Um, mm. And I mentioned the residents because they did the music for this. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So what happened? Why didn't we get the full series? Why are we not living know. in that timeline? I don't, oh. I don't. Sadly, I don't. I don't know. Um, yeah. The the music does crop up again on the Residents album "Demons Dance Alone," mm-hmm. actually. So um, there's a clip near the end after Bob has been painted, and uh, it's back in his attic room. He's been gifted this watch by um, I don't know, like like the Queen of the Lower Dimensions, mm. one of these sort of paper cutout people. Um, and she she says to him, you see her on the watch, and she says, Over here, Bob. Bob, over here. Time's up for now, Bob. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Um, and that that's... Um, right near the start of the Demon's Dance Alone album. Ah. <laughs> okay. Um, and there's some other connections here, and as much as um, the residents also, of course, did some of the music for Pee Wee's Playhouse, mm. the Pee Wee Herman TV show, which then Devo ended up doing the music for, and Mark Mothersberg did, which just started him, I guess, on that career of doing the music for Rugrats and other kids' shows. <laughs> um mm. And, yeah, I do wonder then if that's when the residents would have met Paul Rubens, Pee-wee, because, of course, you have this sort of connection that then Tim Burton does Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I don't know. I You know, maybe there's just a fanboy in me. Obviously, I, I, imagining, you know, Pee-wee, Herman, the residents, Tim Burton, Henry Circle hanging out. <laughs> obviously makes me quite happy <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but yeah yeah I don't I don't know I don't know if it's just I mean Selig does he's clearly a perfectionist which is why his films look so so good um, mm. they do tend to take a long time in production you know it's not like this isn't the only Selig production where say funding hasn't materialised, just been shut down. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's been a long time since Coraline, sadly, and mm. there was quite a big gap between James and the Giant Peach and Coraline. Um, Monkey yeah. Bone, which is a fascinating but very flawed film, um, <laughs> is, is mostly very flawed, I think, because Selleck was taken off it. So mm. it's got this amazing art direction, it looks fabulous, but it's got some really stupid, kind of asinine, like, I don't know, frat boy humour. But yeah. for, according to Rose McGowan, that was that was the guy who was brought in after Selick because yeah. he was taken off the project. Presumably, I think it was going over budget and just taking too long because, you know, stop motion is a very, very labour-intensive medium. Oh, yeah. Um, and I can imagine if you're a Disney executive or something and you're, you know, you're not necessarily going to get the results in the time you might expect or want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might be wrong, and I'd be interested. Interestingly, the um, the copy of Slow Bob in the Lower Dimensions on YouTube um, seems to have been updated. Uh, sorry, uploaded by um, Heather Selick, who I think might be Henry Selick's wife. Okay, yeah. Um, so it was uploaded directly by her, um, and. You know, I, yeah, I'd love to know know more about the project. Obviously, yeah, um, yeah it, it's you know, I'm really glad this exists because you know, it's it's a wonderful five minutes uh, of of animation. Um, yeah. But but yeah, you know, I can't help but but think, uh, you know, I wish there was a lot more of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're still holding out for that Henry Selleck Grim Fandango film, right? Oh, God, that would be so good. He would be the perfect person to make a film with Grim Fandango. Yeah. He's, he's got this sort of project uh, which seems to actually, you know, be fairly late stage production at this point with um, Key and Peel. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm. Um, the comedians. So I'm, I'm quite Wendell and Wilde. 
so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that because you know Coraline was 2009. So uh, while it, I find it, you know, I find it, I think, you know, I, I can't cope with that. It was over 10 years ago, to be honest. Like <laughs> that's ridiculous. But um, you know, it, it it remains even after 10 years one of my favourite films of all time. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I think I'm holding out for it to be our like you know hundredth episode special or something. Yeah, yeah. We need to do something special for Coraline. Yeah, because yeah, I, I freaking love Coraline. I think it's nice <laughs> um, so. So yeah, you know, I I will admit to to wishing there was a bit more Henry Selleck out there. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I do feel for him as well because you know, obviously for ages, Nightmare Before Christmas has just been thought of as a Burton film, and you know, fair enough, Burton did the character designs and worked on the screenplay. Um, mm. But I think it was mostly a marketing decision that he'd become a, a pretty hot property, you know, yeah. off the back of Beetlejuice and Batman, and clearly selling it as Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, you know, was a good decision from a marketing point of view. Um, but I think, yeah, yeah a bit rough really. Rough for Selleck. <laughs> yeah, rough for Selleck, um, who, whose direction is extraordinary on it, and. <laughs> Like, yeah. the thing, you know, I mean, I love Nightmare Before Christmas, but the thing that really makes it is the animation, which is mm. astonishing. Um, you know, like, when I think of, like, Jack Skeleton's really kind of balletic spider mm. movements, and, you know, that that's all Selleck. You get those kind of movements again in James and the Giant Peach and mm. in Coraline. Um, I don't know, he's never quite been given his due, maybe, and never quite quite had the backing that I think he deserves as, as such a remarkable... <laughs> Remarkable animator. Hmm. But, yeah, you know, the stuff that's out there is wonderful. And, you know, yeah. I imagine, again, like with Hansel and Gretel, you know, if you're a Selleck fan, if you if you love Coraline and Nightmare Before Christmas, you know, as much as we do, like, you know, you're, you're going to enjoy Slow Bob. Yeah, absolutely. Take five minutes to watch Slow Bob. And you'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well... So that's probably it. it. You know, they're short films, so there's not like loads mm. and loads to say about them. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed them because I know you hadn't seen them before, and so yeah, yeah, no, it's good. Um, okay, so so what 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 book is it that we're we're going on to talk about? Not now, but uh, hopefully <laughs> uh, in the well, new year. Wilder Girls. Yes, Wilder Girls. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um uh Yeah. Yeah. There's some uh fairly uh ser- fairly serious um uh, epidemic <laughs> teen epidemic novels novel. Ah, yeah, well, yes. Um which um I think is possibly why I struggled with it on a reread. Um as uh, the first time I read it was before pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so probably felt a little less yeah. close to home. Yeah, but um, but that, I think that that'll be our next one. Um, cool. And, and then some sometime in January, we excitingly have have a kind of interview with Catherine Lester, um, who I've been in email correspondence with, who just uh, just a couple of months ago, this year, um, published horror films for children: fear and pleasure in American cinema. Ooh, yeah, yeah, so that's which exciting. Is, which is exciting. Um, so look that up. Um, it's a. I, I've started reading it, so I've, re- I've read like the first chapter. It's a wonderful read. She's, you know, it is academic, but it's not like pretentious or off-putting. You know, she's written this mm. to be read. She obviously loves children's horror. It really comes across, and the cover mm. has Gizmo on the front, uh, looking adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So um so yeah, we will um we we do have more episodes in the pipeline. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So Catherine's gonna be on and she's gonna talk about her book and also uh hopefully Yeah, I don't know if we should um if we should uh keep it as a surprise. What oh, what we're gonna oh, talk okay. about. I might edit that bit. <laughs> but, uh, I'll put a sound distortion on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um so so yeah, yeah. Sorry, it has been rather, rather slow the last last year in particular. Um, mm. But uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you all understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we've all been, we've all been somewhat in the same, uh, the same giant yeah. arc of. Uh... Yeah, I think. <sighs> but uh, 
but yeah, you know, New Year and yeah, there's there's quite a lot. I say it, I was saying saying to you, Ren, before mm. we started recording this episode, it does seem like there's been this sort of real uptick of interest in children's horror in in academia. Um, yeah. In in recent years, um, so I think it's mostly generational. That basically people who are now in their early thirties um, <laughs> are getting books out, and you know they they grew up with the same kind of stuff that we grew up with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. It's um, yeah, it's a, obviously we think it's a really cool area to to talk about. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's it's lovely to see it finally get some actual proper attention. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Well, cool. that was fun. Um, Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, for our, our usual stuff, and um, we'll. Um, our artwork is by Letty Wilson. Our, um, our intro music is by Maki Yamazaki. Our outro music is by Joe Kelly. Um, you can find us. On Twitter at uh, at Still Scared Pod or email us at Still Scared Podcast at gmail dot com and yeah it's uh, it's always lovely to hear from people who listen um, and uh, you can rate review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called these days um, <laughs> yeah and and Mackie's got some new music out recently uh, yeah um, I think. yeah uh, uh, um, yeah I'll teach you know artist Mackie has um has has quite a few new things up on um, mm. up on her bandcamp actually she's yeah still... i get notifications so yeah. I, I yeah yeah so um she's been putting up more um uh electronic uh pieces um and um they're very good um mm. and uh they're yeah i'll put a link to her bandcamp in the in the show notes and um yeah i do recommend checking those out and and Joe now has um, three albums out, so two over the last year or so, uh, under the name Wendy Miasma. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I was um, I was having a look at that. It looks great. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, Maki Yamazaki and Wendy Miasma on Bandcamp for uh, to support the the very talented uh, musicians who uh, have mm. provided music for our podcast. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, do you have a sign up for us? Yes, yes, I do. Um, time's up for now, creepy kids. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time, spooky kids. Bye. Bye. Bye.